Do you think that also reflects the dilemma that Europe is in in terms of its relations with China? The Americans are very keen to get Europe on the same page as themselves. They want to drive that wedge between the EU and China to benefit America's interest. But it is not in the interest of the people of Europe. It's not in the interest of European business. It's not in the interest of peace that EU doesn't have a good relationship with China. We, For us, and we feel that the people of Europe want to have a good relationship with China. We feel that the businesses of Europe do want to have a good relationship with China. But sadly now, we have a political class who are being uh, manipulated by U.S. interest. We actually want, we think that Europe needs to work more closely with China and with everybody else. We think we should have good relationships with everybody, including the Americans. But the Americans have to start behaving as one of the countries uh, of the world rather than behaving as if they own the place. The NATO summit in Madrid was a big love-in for the supporters of the military-industrial complex. NATO is not a defence alliance. It's a war machine. Ask the people of Afghanistan, Iraq or Libya. NATO's real goal is the defence of a waning US hegemony and a unipolar world system. That's what NATO exists for. Any discussion of that is silence, chilled in this land of free speech. A survey by the European Council on Foreign Relations show that the vast majority of European citizens want peace rather than uh, promoting a war that punishes Russia. But NATO never wants peace. What I want to know is, what does the EU really want? The move against TikTok has more to do with a reckless new Cold War posturing and driving a wedge between the EU and China than anything to do with safeguarding user data. It's true that TikTok has the capacity to control content and collect and store its users' personal data. This is also true of Google, Facebook, Twitter and others. There are countless ways for governments to target people. If we really cared about this, why didn't the Commission do nothing to address the abuses revealed by the prison program revelations? Why don't we have a set of rules that adequately protect people in the EU? Governments that restrict access to Western platforms are accused of being authoritarian. Yet, now we're banning platforms based on pure suspicion and speculation. We have regulations for a reason. They should be applied to all platforms in a rational manner. We can engage with companies to address concerns. Instead, we're busy making ourselves look unreasonable, confrontational, and almost as hysterical as the Americans. Mr. Wallace, so happy to see you in Beijing. Who'd have thought that we could meet in Beijing? Well, sure, everything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, can you tell us more about your trip in China this time? Well, uh, I suppose we've just come to get a feel for China, uh, to get a feel for who the people are, and um, I suppose to have a better. When, when you go to a place, I've never been to China before, so when you go to any country. Uh, you and experience it, um, you have a, get a better idea as to who they are. And um, while 
obviously we followed the politics uh, very closely uh, in all matters. Um, not having been to China um, was something that we needed to correct. So uh, <laughs> it's not an official mission, uh, but um, we're very eager to be here. And um, uh, the um, China is such uh, a world player now and has such an, an influence on everything worldwide. Um, we need to learn more about China. And uh, I want to know your take on EU-China relations because um, it's very interesting because uh, Van der Leyen and uh, French uh, President Macron are planning to visit China very soon. And just right before uh, Ursula's trip to China, she gave this speech to a European audience. Our relationship with China is far too important to be put at risk by failing to clearly set the terms of a healthy engagement. It is clear that our relations have become more distant and more difficult in the last few years. We've seen a very deliberate hardening of China's overall strategic posture for some time. And it has now been matched by a ratcheting up of increasingly assertive actions. This is why it is vitally important that we ensure diplomatic stability and open communication with China. I believe it is neither viable nor in Europe's interest to decouple from China. Our re relations are not black or white, and our response cannot be either. And this is why we need to focus on de-risk, not decouple. And this is part of the reason why I will soon be visiting Beijing together with President Macron. Managing this relationship and having an open and frank exchange with our Chinese counterparts is a key part of what I would call the de-risking through diplomacy of our relations with China. We will never be shy in raising the deeply concerning issues I've already set out. But I believe we must leave space for a discussion on a more ambitious partnership and on how we can make competition fairer and more disciplined. So, I mean, the whole speech, you, you can feel the two different attitudes that she has, or probably most of the European politicians have uh, in terms of China. So do you think that also reflects the dilemma that Europe is in in terms of its relations with China. Yeah, look, at, um, we were elected to the European Parliament in May 2019, and um, I suppose in the, after the first, after a few months, uh, we noticed that um, there was an element of anti-China rhetoric uh, in the Parliament itself. And we noticed that it, it was growing as well. And um, I, w I was a bit surprised by this because the European Union was set up kind of for business reasons, right? 
it was a, like a free trade zone. It, it was set up as a, a monetary union, right? And uh, an economic union of where countries would, uh, they would help their businesses grow in each country by working together. And the idea of Europe working together and not fighting with each other made sense anyway. And uh, the, the European project was, we also saw it as a peace project, but it, it was, the truth was that it was more about economics than anything else, right? So we always felt that big business uh, kind of controlled the European Union in, in many ways, and still does, right? And we would argue that uh, it's much more too neoliberal for our liking, and we don't like neoliberalism because it prioritizes the interest of big business over the interest of the ordinary people. Uh, so, but so we saw big business as being the real decision makers in Europe, and we thought that given that it was so vital for European business to have a good relationship with China, uh, that we could never see that being threatened. But gradually, over the last four years, we have seen that that the, pos- the more positive side of our relationship with China has been eroded by certain elements. And as you were saying about von der Leyen's speech, she's saying, oh yeah, of course it's important that we have a good relationship with China. I mean, she's German. Uh, Germany's biggest trading partner is China. And China, Germany is is really the jewel of Europe in business terms, right? And the idea that Germany wouldn't have a strong economic relationship with, uh, with China is nuts, right? It wouldn't make any sense for Germany. But what we've seen in the last two years in particular, and probably is even more so since the war in Ukraine started, is you have seen uh, the effort by the Americans to drive a wedge between the European Union and China in America's interest, not Europe's, but we have seen this garner pace in Europe. And it's very unfortunate that at this time we feel that the European Union hasn't had the courage to stand up to the bullying and the pressure from the US. The US says that China is a threat to the security of the Americans. This says that China is a threat to the security of Europe. Well, we don't agree, right? China hasn't dropped a bomb on anybody in 40 years. China is not a threat to the security of the people of America. China is a threat to America's long-held financial supremacy, the supremacy of the dollar. China is threatening that, so America has a problem with China. It's not because China is a threat to their security, it's a threat to their financial supremacy. And sadly, the Americans are very keen to get Europe on the same page as themselves. They want to drive that wedge between the EU and China to benefit America's interest. But it is not in the interest of the people of Europe. It's not in the interest of European business. It's not in the interest of peace that EU doesn't have a good relationship with China. We, for us, and we feel that the people of Europe want to have a good relationship with China. We feel that the businesses of Europe do want to have a good relationship with China. But sadly now we have a political class who are being uh, manipulated by US interest. 
So you had the Hawks uh, going to a place that we weren't going to before. And we, we, we see that EU-China relationship is being threatened in an unreasonable way, in, in an irrational way. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, which country does the Europe trust more, the United States or China or neither? We say that, I mean, Europe loves to talk about, oh, we have European values. And uh, we, we, if we're going to do business with anybody, uh, they have to share our values. I mean, this is nonsense. Europe doesn't have values. It has interests. Everybody has interests. And the idea that we are dictated by values is nonsense for everybody, in my, in my opinion. Every country has interests. And how you deal with them uh, varies, okay? Uh, but the idea that Europe uh, is... You ask me, who has the better relationship? Um, well, I mean, okay, you take a country like Ireland, right? Where we're from. Uh, we've had a lot of relationship with America uh, at a personal level. A lot of Irish people emigrated to America. We speak the same language. Uh, there's been a lot of American influence uh, in Ireland. And the Irish people are... They've always been kind of close to, to America Okay, because of that. We haven't had that same relationship with China, right? Uh, but at the same time, up until recently, I didn't detect an anti-China rhetoric in Europe. I still don't detect it among the people. It's in the political class and it's with the media. But if you ask me, who do the citizens of Europe trust, America or, or China? I think most people understand that everybody acts in their own interests. And it's not really a case of trusting A or trusting B. Um, I don't. I, I don't think you can break it down into those terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I would insist that the people of Europe are in a different place to the politicians of Europe. Mm. You mentioned because of many people in the Europe. Uh, share the same values and language with the United States because in general they are still the West. They share probably similar understanding about democracy, about many issues. And China, to them, probably an alien country, alien culture because there's very little similarities. So in that case, do you think between the competition of United States and China, people will choose automatically choose you know what? United States, even though like we don't agree with them on many issues, but because we have similar values and similar political system, we'd rather United States win, but not China win. Do you think so? Um, well, first of all, I think there's a lot of misconception and misunderstanding about values. I mean, what are these values? And when we say America is our like-minded partner, well, America has militarily intervened in over 250 countries in the last 30 years. 250 countries? I mean, uh, sorry, I shouldn't say 250 countries. I should say on 250 occasions because we've only, but there's 194 countries in the UN. But I mean, America is intervening in other countries' affairs on a daily basis. Are they our values? America 
is helping to keep the global south poor by its financial imperialism. Are they our values? America supports, and so does the EU, the the apartheid state of Israel in their treatment of the Palestinians. Are they our values? The UAE and Saudi Arabia have been engaged in a, a war that resembles genocide in Yemen with support of the US, UK, France and other European countries. Are they our values? What are our values? I think it's a nonsense to talk about our values when in actual fight all countries worked in their own interest. And this idea of, of, oh, we have these values and we have that values and this is a like-minded partner, uh, to me that's mostly, I, I would call it spin. For me, America has been at war for all but 25 years of its existence. America was built on the genocide of the native uh, people of America, then on slavery and on colonialism. That's what America is built on. Are they our European values? Is this what we want from like-minded partners? And the manner in which uh, America has followed its business interests and the manner in which it does it, I don't think there are values that we should have. Imperialist nature of American foreign policy has not been good for the people of the world. It is not good for peace and we need a different approach to how we do things in the world. We feel international law has been eroded. The UN Charter is not being respected like it should be. The US and the Europeans, sadly, talk about rules-based international order. But they only, they very rarely talk about the UN Charter anymore because they break the UN Charter on a daily basis. They're using their economic influence to impose sanctions on other countries and devastate the lives of millions. What America and with US, with the EU support a lot of the time is doing with their use of sanctions, uh, is illegal. Sanctions are illegal unless they are established and signed off on by the UN. And very few sanctions in the world today have been agreed by the UN. Mm -hmm. So sanctions are illegal and they have become a form of warfare and a very effective form of warfare. People are, poor people have died in Venezuela, Nicaragua, Iran, Syria, because of sanctions. America has sanctions today on something like 38 countries. It is, they use them as a form of financial imperialism. And if you're asked, telling me that these are the values that Europe shares, uh, that I disagree. You talk about, oh, we have the same form of government. Listen, in America, you have to be a billionaire to become president. It costs two billion to become the president of America. Noam Chomsky said a long time ago, you have only one party in America, it's called the Business Party. And he says there's two factions, one of them is called Democratic, and the other is Democrats, and the other is called Republicans. He says, and they're pretty similar. Is that democracy? I actually have a different idea about democracy. I think a democracy is where the people have a say in how their society is organised. I actually don't see much of that in Europe either. Uh, we don't, we have elections every five years. But is that democracy? 
if you don't have local government, if you don't have an up, if there isn't a framework in place where the people have a say in how their society is organized, how their country is organized, how their local community is organized, if you don't have that, I don't, I don't think you can say you have what's called real democracy. And having a vote every five years isn't necessarily democracy. In Ireland, our state is 102 years old since we got our independence from the British. For those 102 years, we've had a right-wing government every day. Now, you might say, are the Irish people so right-wing that they keep putting in right-wing governments all the time? Well, first of all, a third of the people don't vote, and a lot most of them are poor. Uh, secondly, the mainstream media and big business, they go to great lengths to make sure that the right-wing parties get back into power all the time. Is that democracy? My last question is, what do you expect from this trip to China? Well, listen, I suppose we want to understand China better. And listen, we're accused of being, oh, um, you are supporters of China, you're supporters of Iran, you're supporters of Syria, you're supporters of uh, Russia. Listen, to be honest with you, I've never seen a government that I like anywhere. Right? I'm not a supporter of any government. But listen, I want peace in the world. I want governments in the world to act in the interests of their own citizens rather than just in the interest of big business. We have a Europe today that's been increasingly militarized. For who? For the military industrial complex? Are they running Europe now? Whatever happened to looking after the citizens? Whatever happened to peace? China is a, a massive player on the world stage today. In my lifetime, China will be the number one economy in the world. What will it be like? How will it behave if it's the number one superpower? We don't know yet. But we think that Europe needs a very open relationship with China. We want, we don't want China to dominate the world. We want China to work with all the countries of the world. We don't want China to be isolated. We want China to open up and to have a positive relationship with the countries of the world in the interest of the people of those countries. We want China to be progressive for peace, and we think that China, we're not asking you to dominate the world, we're asking you to work with everybody so that we have peace everywhere. And we want to move away from, we've had war, we've had imperialism, we've had colonialism, whether it's European or America or whoever did it, right? We've, we've had too much of it. Today, four and a half billion people live at risk of poverty in the world. Why? We are still behaving in Europe. We still behave like colonialists. We rob poor countries by extracting wealth from them and we keep, with our trade policies, we help to keep them poor. Likewise, America. We need a different approach. We need an approach. We have to help these people. We have a massive challenge with with climate change. We'll have no planet if we don't change our approach. 
China has to be a leading player as well in tackling climate change. We cannot pretend that it's not happening. It's it's an existential problem today. Mm-hmm. And all the world together must work uh, if we are going to deal with it. But there is a, a big challenge for China now that it's becoming such a, a dominant player in the world that it has a huge challenge uh, to make things better. And we actually want, we think that Europe needs to work more closely with China and with everybody else. We think we should have good relationships with everybody, including the Americans. But the Americans have to start behaving as one of the countries uh, of the world rather than behaving as if they own the place. Thank you so much, Mr. Wallace. I hope you will have a, you will have a good time traveling through different provinces in, of China. So looking forward to talk to you more often, either online or in person in China. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you.